We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh, oh goodness! Stunning! With the pass! Devontae Deep! Oh, my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! A 35-minute stop it already! All right, everyone. Welcome into another BuzzBeat podcast. We are recording this immediately following the Hornets' 102-99 win over the Pistons in Detroit. So I believe that's 13 straight against this Pistons team that the Hornets have won. They are now 32-33 and with uh, seven games remaining in the season. Before we get too deep into this episode, I wanted to tell you guys about our Buy Me a Coffee site. Uh, if you're listening right now, I'm sure you guys enjoy our podcast and we have a way for you guys to support us with a donation. Now, if you never donate, uh, we'd be okay, but your donation will get you guys some exclusive content. Uh, if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash buzzbeat, which I'll also put in the episode notes, You'll see a couple of free posts as well. I posted one on Miles Bridges last week, and you're going to get one from me on Terry Rozier in the coming days. Just think of this site as a site that comes in three tiers. You got the free post. There's also a tier called the supporter post, and those are for people that just make one-off donations, $2, $3, $4. And then that you have the members, and, and they pay on a monthly basis, and those get the most amount or the most access. You get all the access to all the posts that are going to be on their website. So uh, buymeacoffee.com slash buzzbeat. Uh, we do want to shout out another member on the site, Ajax Shahin, who is the brother of uh, Michael on the previous episode that you guys were talking about his Twitter handle, Laser Glaciers. So it's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's really good, isn't yeah, it? It is. It is. I was listening to you guys talk about it. You guys were just like just dumbfounded by the the name and just like wow, Laser Glaciers. So he yeah. said that he couldn't let his brother have all the spotlight, even though that his Twitter <laughs> handle is a little bit better than his. But yes, we uh, we do appreciate the donation. So I am going to be joined by BG tonight. If you've heard him in the background here, Brian, how's it going? Doing pretty well. Uh, interesting game tonight in sort of like a, a newsy day for the Hornets, uh, which we can certainly dive into, but yeah, everyone matters down the stretch. Feels like at this point, if you're Charlotte, you're really just gunning for eight, right? Like the eighth seed. That's mm-hmm. really 
which you just got to be desperately trying to see if you can hold off uh, Indiana and Washington. But so wins a win, uh, especially on the road with missing some guys. But yeah, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. And, and I'm glad uh, there's some nervy moments late in that game and uh, not the prettiest of games, but uh, a good win for Charlotte nonetheless. Yes, so currently speaking, as, as Brian mentioned, the Hornets would be in eighth place if the season ended today. It does not. They are game and a half above the Pacers with a record of 32-33. and 33. Uh, The last two weeks, according to Cleaning the Glass, they are 21st in offense and 25th in defense. So not, not great. It has not been a pretty sight to watch. But it's funny, this game to me, Brian, is one of those games, as a, a Hornets fan, as someone that follows the team and obviously you're playing the Pistons even though the Pistons got within like five and four and three at certain points to me it never felt like they were going to overtake the lead sure the Hornets probably should have put this game away a little bit earlier but every time I felt like the Pistons got close to me it just seems like LaMelo and anyone on the court was just going to flip a switch and they would just extend that lead a little bit more and give themselves a little bit more of a cushion. So watching this game, I didn't ever think it was in doubt, even though it did come close, right? I mean, it was a, it was a very close game yeah. towards the end where Killian Hayes had a chance to tie the game uh, with seconds left to go, but he missed the three. He also missed the front end of a two-shot free throw attempts uh, towards the end as well. So that's just kind of how I felt about it. I, I know that the Hornets are without a ton of players right now, but I did not at all really feel that nervous. I, I don't know. I don't know if you got the same feeling from this game. It, it wasn't until like the last minute. Um, but even then when Hayes was at the line, you're thinking like, well, worst case scenario, they'll go into overtime in five more minutes. Like they'll, they should outplay them. Cody was in foul trouble at the time. So that was like a little significant. You mentioned Killian Hayes, you know, it's been a weird season for him. And I think since he's come back, he's had a couple of good games tonight was, not one of those games, one of six shooting, one of five on threes, one of two from the line. And the, the one miss he had was fairly significant. A um, couple sort of like just general keys to the game. We'll go back to the little tried and true keys <laughs> to the game format here. But if I had to highlight it, just a couple of things. I thought even though LaMelo didn't have like the greatest game shooting the basketball three or five on threes, including a, a big spot up hit from the corner in the fourth quarter. That was significant. I thought his passing was like the, was like a huge swing piece in this game for them. Um, probably like it will be in a lot of games of his career, but he had a couple like highlight passes and then a couple other ones where like the, the play was sort of disjointed. There was, it's one of those Lamella situations where everything around him is chaos but he can sort of just in the midst of all that chaos, he can, everything slows down for him. He'll dribble a couple of times. He'll get an angle and he'll hit somebody uh, for, for a finish. I thought he had a nice dime to Cody Zeller on one of these plays, mm -hmm. but the, the touch path, the little like whip touch pass he had to McDaniels uh, was nasty. And I just thought his passing was, was was key um struggled finishing uh, uh again this game but uh, you know was aggressive going into the paint and also trying to you know set guys up then like you know terry rozier shot making i mean once again this guy was just awesome in the clutch he had two really really big hits in the mid-range the mid-range was was pretty pivotal for charlotte in this game tonight i was looking at this just a second ago 
Well, they took a lot of volume from like four to 14 feet, actually did not hit that many of them, but uh, got up a good volume from the mid-range area. But what I would say, what I was trying to get to was Rozier. They ran a couple plays for him. They ran that ghost action with LaMelo and Rozier. Rozier got a bucket off that. Then they ran the little horn set where they put Rozier at the elbow. They throw it to him. He ran a ball screen with either Biz or Zeller. I think it was Zeller. He missed the first shot, but he got his own mm-hmm. rebound and put that back in. And just like, yeah, entering tonight, Rozier was uh, shooting 54% in clutch minutes. He was 13 of 26 on threes. And then obviously with some uh, with some big hits um, uh, late in the game for Charlotte here as well. So, you know, you didn't think it was going to look pretty with them trying to like figure out offense after without Miles and P.J., Jalen McDaniels, it's sort of the third key, I would say. Yeah. Like his his motor defensively, his length, um, his compete was really good. Twelve rebounds, um, I think nine on the defensive end. They had four stocks games in terms of blocks and steals, and he was like a couple seconds away from playing a career high in terms of minutes. He played thirty nine minutes in this game. I just thought he was he was really good. A nice nice bounce back game for Cody Zeller. But what did you uh, what did you peel away from this game? I do want to mention Brad Wanamaker. I don't think that he gets enough recognition for the impact that he has made with this team. He's kind of like a one-trick pony in terms of what he can bring on the offensive end, in terms of just someone that can drive and get to the rim. And and that's something that's been his most impactful asset uh, with the Hornets so far. But he did hit a couple of uh, mid-range shots in the game. I'm actually looking at the stats right now. He was three for three from 14 to three-point land. And uh, two for four in that four to 14 range. So he had hit several mid-range shots there. But one aspect of this game, I don't know if it was the most impactful or the most clutch, whatever you want to call it. It was late in the game where Detroit was going on a run and they had cut the lead to one point with about five minutes left to go. And at this point, obviously, like I said, I was not nervous that the Hornets were going to lose, but this was the point in the game that the Pistons kind of went on their run, uh, especially with Diallo. I I looked up 35 35 points or whatever he had. I was like, I don't know how he had that. I just came out of nowhere. (laughs) But anyway, Wanamaker, you know, up one at this point, drives, attacks, finishes through contact, obviously puts the Hornets back up by three. And then the very next possession, I don't know if you remember this, but... uh, who was it might have been Diallo that was no that was Killian one of the two was driving and Wanamaker strips it and it goes off a couple of knees it eventually is retained by Detroit but that yeah. two-way sequence right there it, it killed any momentum that Detroit had and then you highlighted this on Twitter the immediate sub Lamelo comes in he steals it throws yeah. it ahead to McDaniel's for the dunk so yeah. I know this game came down to the wire but at that point in the fourth quarter where it felt like the tide was shifting to the Pistons. I felt like that two-way play by Brad Wanamaker there really killed any momentum by the Pistons at that point. Yeah, and 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 actually the margins were tight in this game. This was sort of classic trash ball NBA game. Charlotte eight of thirty-one on threes. Pistons nine of thirty-two. Uh, Sadiq Bay had a bad shooting game. Killian Hayes had a bad shooting game. Over for the over on the Hornets side. Um, unfortunately, tough game for Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. 05 on threes, missed some shots at the rim. I do think, despite it being a tough night, I thought he had a couple of nice pick and roll uh, possessions with Cody Zeller. 
like if you're going to highlight the good with Malik, I thought he had a couple of nice pick and roll possessions. Also, JB dialed up a couple in the first half, a couple after timeout plays for Malik. He was obviously not able to score out of them, but uh, Charlotte got some decent looks on that. And it was sort of encouraging. It probably points to something. Malik's going to have a bounce back game soon, right? You know, play better against Chicago or whatever. Does not look maybe like he quite has his like burst finishing. I mean, he said today, Richie, you may have even been a part of the media session where uh, it seemed like Malik said that um, the ankle felt good for him to play on. But I think, you know, as he's getting back into conditioning and stuff like that, just doesn't look quite like his sort of like twitchy, vertically explosive Mm -hmm. self as a finisher. So hopefully that that sort of comes back because. Certainly Charlotte would need that. And then uh, we saw the dust get kicked off on uh, Vernon Carey Jr. So he played six and a half minutes, had two nice putback finishes for the for the Hornets. Um, I did, when Spencer and I did a pod last week, we talked about VCJ a little bit. And I don't think tonight changes the equation all that much. But, I, but one of the things I brought up on that pod was, you know, if you were to have Vernon Carey be a part of the playoff rotation or have some small role in the, in the, as like a potential, you know, reserve in the playoffs or whatever, you probably need him to, to get brought back into the, you know, maybe play a, another yeah. game or two. And unfortunately these, you know, tough circumstances have brought that on with PJ and miles being out. Uh, and again, I don't think this chain, I don't think him playing six minutes against Detroit changes that, you know, I still don't think like he's like going to, I don't think he's like back in the rotation actually, you know what I mean? Right. But I guess we'll see how the next week progresses. Yeah, I, I just can't see him being part of the play-in slash playoff rotation. But to your point, if he was going to do that, he would have to have to get like a couple games under his belt. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I do want to go back to Jalen McDaniels because you mentioned him as one of the keys to the game. 10 points, 12 rebounds, uh, three offensive rebounds. He, he's the type of player that I feel like every team needs, like in the mold of Jalen McDaniels where he is crashing the offensive glass, getting deflections, uh, going after those 50-50 balls, doing all the little things that you would want out of a player like him. I think every team needs someone like him, and he hits the occasional three from time to time. I know he's only one of three tonight, but he can hit the three. And I think the one thing moving forward for Jalen, and I think this is not going to happen overnight. It's going to be something that happens over the off season. We've talked about it in terms of his strength, but I think more like specifically his off the dribble strength. If he's trying to create room or create space for a shot, 
he doesn't really do that driving into the teeth of the defense. Like he's not going to create that much room. Now he did have a nice little like behind the back finesse play in the first quarter, but that's one thing that I did know that it's hard to make a lot of ground when you don't have the strength, but everything else he does, like I just want to highlight and make sure that he gets the recognition that he does. Agreed. He does need to bulk up, like, you know, get a little bit more uh, strength perhaps, but like tonight's a little bit different, but normally, you know, McDaniels is going to be the fourth or the fifth guy out there. So a lot of times he's going to be just attacking off advantage, right? Where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be him going by a closeout. It's like what we've seen the last couple of weeks from him, just in a, a smaller dose. So, you know, I think he has like enough sort of like functional strength, but you're, but you're right. It is, it, you know, he is like a little bit limited in terms of his like drive finishing. I mean, I think he has a little bit of craft to sort of like make do for the lack of strength. Um, and certainly the length, the length he yeah, has yeah. helps, ha- helps a good bit too. I continue to be impressed just like his opportunistic scoring, like the two great mellow plays passes that he had today, both were capped off by McDaniels and both times it was by, well, one was the transition finish. That was just him, you know, busting his ass, getting out in transition. That's just like him taking advantage of the opportunity. The one in the first half, the like, you know, LaMelo, you and I both tweeted out the the clip, oh, like yeah. the like whip pass that only worked because Jalen McDaniels, you know, snuck along the baseline into space, right? Like his guy stepped up, he snuck in behind and he was open. Now LaMelo's pass was, ridiculous but um it just mcdaniels does a, brings enough stuff to the table offensively that he really is like a solid like fifth guy when he's out there so I'm, i agree with you i think he is um he's gonna have to be huge for them especially uh it, we'll see when you know if and when pj is able to come back but they're gonna be out they're gonna be without miles bridges for a while and they're gonna need jalen mcdaniels to play like this every night for the next two weeks, basically. Yeah. I think it was like a month ago that I said that like out of anybody that can take advantage of the situation that the Hornets are in with all these players missing, it would be Jalen McDaniels. Uh, Borrego has always said that it's not the reason he hasn't played. Hasn't been because of any kind of like lack of performance. It's just because there just hasn't been room for him to play. And so he has taken advantage of this opportunity with all these people out. And, and maybe we can transition to that. We have Cody Martin out. We have Devonte Graham out. We got the news today that miles bridges will be out, I guess, 10 to 14 days. I don't know really what determines the 10 versus the 14. Yeah. So he will be out. So t- 10 days takes us to May 14th. If my math is correct. And that would leave you with two games left in the season of Knicks and the wizards. 14 days out, which is probably where it's going to end up, I would assume, would take you to May 18th, which is the first day of the plan, which is not ideal in terms of like getting yourself back into game shape in terms of just, no. hey, step out on the court. We got a play-in game today. Let's go, Bridges. You've been one of our most impactful players. Let, let's turn it on like we did. And then obviously, P.J. Washington, we heard the breaking news prior to this that he was out for personal reasons. Now, P.J., should be back, I would think, by Thursday or Friday. I mean, we don't know for for certain, but uh, this yeah. Miles news is definitely uh, definitely another uh, unfortunate <laughs> set of circumstances for the Hornets here. Now, I will say this, Brian. I don't think this is like specific to the Hornets. This this has been happening across the league. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's just a it's a part of it's unfortunately it's been the thing that's hung over the season more than anything else has been the COVID. Yeah. Um, 
and in injuries from the compressed season. And the Hornets have just been dealing with a lot of that in a relatively compressed period of time, which is basically like going back to the, the Lamello injury against the Clippers, which like that feels like it was six months ago, but it was six weeks ago. Um, it's just all of this stuff is stacked on top of one another. But yeah, I mean, even a team like the Celtics who like, you know, they're only a couple of games ahead the, of the Hornets in the standings. Like, they, I mean, they've been crushed with, with injuries and with COVID. I think they've had more guys miss games because of COVID than, than any other team in the league. And there's plenty of other teams that have been hit with this stuff. Um, the Wizards, another team that Charlotte, on the opposite side of Charlotte, that they're jockeying with for a position in the, the East. And it just, the Miles news is, is, you know, obviously, most importantly, you want everyone to be safe and healthy. You hope everyone's okay. But if you're looking at it strictly just from like basketball, it's a bummer because he'd been, you know, basically the brightest spot on, you know, he'd been the, the, the most fun thing about the team for the last month. Um, he was playing so well, best basketball of his career, you know, not even close. And he was doing so much for Charlotte. Richie, you and I have talked about this, but they are moving him all over the court offensively, mm-hmm. all over the court, putting him everywhere, running different actions with him playing both sides of the pick and roll. And it just really seemed like a light had sort of like come on for him. So um, never a good time for this to happen, but especially it feels just like, especially cruel now because he was playing the kind of basketball that a guy like him must just spend spend his entire life dreaming of playing, you know, being a featured player in the NBA and kicking ass. And then to have that, just like, you know, have the rug pulled out from underneath you. Yeah. It just yeah, it sucks. It really does. Yeah, I mean, we we were talking about you know, like you said, putting him all over the court, putting the ball in his hands, playing off ball. We even got into a discussion uh, through DM about the flex offense and <laughs> how that's evolved. That that that's the offense that I ran in, in uh, high school. Like we had a continuous flex offense, so I know exactly these flex cuts that that I'm able to recognize pretty quickly. I know Brian's more of an X and O guy, but flex cuts and flex screens. I can see that right away because that's all I did in high school. And I actually asked Borrego about that in terms of using that a little bit more often, more frequently with bridges. Well, he gets ahead of steam, you know, and I think back to like a Corey Maggetti. Remember Corey Maggetti? He used to do some, you know, similar power and strength. And once that train gets moving, it's tough to stop. So getting miles on the run is a focus all season for us. And he, he's taken to it. So we do it a little bit out of the flex. We do it in some other areas as well. He does it just sometimes in flow, as you've seen. He just catch and goes, you know, off a closeout. You know, we've done a little bit now out of the flex game. So it's a real strength of his. When he gets going to that right hand with some power and he's able to make plays, get to the rim. And I think that's another level of growth for him. Even there's another gear there as well, you know, moving into this summer to develop and into next year. I think he can really be a guy that can get downhill off those catches very consistently, even, you know, as we're seeing it right now, I still think there's even more there. As effective as it has been, uh, <laughs> you know, without Miles, you know, running around there as a, as a, as a cutter and a screener, his ability, like he and PJ, and this is really why, like the offense is really going to miss those guys for however long they're out. Um, certainly the playmaking with Miles and the three point shooting, like both those guys have just been scorching hot from above the break recently. Um but their ability to threaten defenses as screeners, right? They can screen and then immediately be a scoring threat, whether it be a roll, whether it be a pop, wow. whether it's them on that pistol action, then going into the post. And now you finally had LaMelo back and you thought, 
man, finally, for the first time in a long time, and it's and it's a different version of Miles because he's playing the best basketball of his career. We're going to get to see these guys be screen threats with this guard. And now what can the offense look like after it being sort of like stuck in mud for a month? What's it going to look like? Um, so yeah, to not again, to not have that. I mean, they're gonna have to do stuff differently on offense, more ghost screens, which we saw tonight. Um, I do like them using Cody Zeller as a, as a screen role guy. They're going to need his playmaking. Charlotte was plus 12, uh, with Zeller on the court in 17 minutes tonight. He had a couple really nice finishes, um, and an assist as well. So I, uh, they need, they just need to get that from Zeller. They love to run that five out delay look with PJ and Miles in the middle. They can use Zeller in that too, but they just he has to become activated as a as a front court player for them now. And um, you know, it's just it's just been a weird season for Zeller in and out of the yeah. rotation and comes back. I'm not surprised it didn't go well against Miami. Now it's like it yeah, went yeah. it went good. very poorly, <laughs> to be clear. Like even as a Zeller stand, like I recognize it didn't go well, but it's also like yeah, man, he hasn't played in a week. Now you're asking him in the middle of the second half to like go play against Bam out of bio. Doesn't seem like a lot of fun. No. So um, I don't know. Malik's going to play, but I mean, like Charlotte did not shoot the ball that well tonight. They still got a road win. You know, Malik's going to play better. Uh, even Rozier, who had big shots down the stretch. I mean, he had a horrible night shooting the basketball until the final, you know, two and a half minutes or whatever. So Get those guys hot. Get those guys going. Let LaMelo's playmaking unlock stuff. Let Zeller as a screener unlock stuff. Have McDaniels fill in all the gaps. Um, and I guess the, the last thing we, we should mention this guy, because I just thought. Caleb? Yeah, Caleb. Got to talk about Caleb. I mean, I know he's not like really in the rotation, but man, that dude's just trying to catch bodies every time he drives to the move. Like hey, there is there are a few guys that have like more of a thirst for trying to like dunk than that guy, but a couple big spot up threes. He scored in a couple of different ways, two steals in this game, a block. He had, um, he had this one like points. he had this one baseline cut too, where I think it was Watermaker yes. that found him, which was yeah. great. So you talked about getting behind the defense. He got behind the defense. I was most yeah. impressed by his drive in the first quarter on Stewart. I don't know if you remember that play, but he just bodied him up. And obviously, yes. bodying up Stewart is, is not an easy task. And, <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. finished through contact. Yeah. I don't think yeah. he made the and one free throw, but regardless, you're going to have to find these like random performances yeah. from Caleb Martin and Jalen McDaniels to an extent just to kind of keep things steady uh, with everyone that's in this rotation right now because anyone, anyone's got to uh, step up. So it's just, it's just like, it's going to be, I mean, basically you saw tonight they played, I mean, Biombo played 24 and a half minutes, Zeller 17 minutes for an carry junior six and a half minutes. Yeah. There's your 48 minutes of center. Like for a team like Charlotte that has basically played small ball for half the minutes this season, just looking at like how they've used PJ um, you know, you're going to see a bigger, I guess, at least at the center spot of a, a bigger Charlotte team until at least until PJ comes back. Um, but it's just tough for them right now because the three guys that are out along with Devante, who they could have certainly used tonight as well. They're just missing, you know, hate between Hayward, PJ and miles. And again, PJ should be back sooner. It's going to probably be a while for, for Lee, you know, a while for miles and, and who knows with Hayward, but it's like, those are the guys they unlock small ball with, you know, like, and, and all those guys are out at the same time. Those are the guys that can really go match up hunting with. 
because of their ability to shoot and to pass and to post. And um, yeah, they're missing. Like those are, those are really, they're missing. It's harder. It's going to be harder for them to counter and to attack mismatches. And it's going to be harder for them to get through these small ball lineups, which that's going to also like probably change how they have to guard pick and roll. Like, they're not going to be able to switch as much. They mixed up their pick and roll coverages tonight. They, they played like a decent amount of drop, at least in the third quarter. So again, these are just small things to keep an eye on. When PJ comes back, he'll solve some of this, but uh, it is going to differentiate how they play, you know, for the net, for at least the short term future. The timing was just the worst because LaMelo came back and, and you thought things were going to be, you know, on the up and up. And, the, and then you have these two things that occur and, the, the good thing is, like, you can tell how infectious LaMelo is by the way that the players around him play in terms of, like, you know, this first couple of games when he came back, it was uh, it was a little bit out of control. But but everyone was wanting to run, and he was pushing the pace. And I think in the second half tonight, you saw more of that. The first half, it felt a little lethargic. Like I said, it probably has a lot to do with the opponent because I think in the back of their minds, they knew they can just flip a switch against the Pistons. But they came out more aggressive with the energy much higher in the second half. And and even LaMelo in the beginning of the fourth quarter was very aggressive attacking the hoop. But just a lot of up and down movement when you have LaMelo out there, it's very infectious. And uh, we will see when PJ comes back. But like we mentioned before, Miles won't be back until uh, the middle of May and, and potentially not until the first day of the plan. The remaining schedule for the Hornets... A lot of home games. I'll tell you that much. A lot of home games. Bulls, Magic, Pelicans, Nuggets, Clippers. That's actually five straight home games right there. And then we end the season at Knicks, at Wizards. To me, I mean, the Miles news kind of threw me off here, but probably, you know, three to four wins there. I, I can see a win against the Bulls, a win against the Magic, and then maybe picking up a win either against the Pelicans or the Wizards. Um, the Knicks, the Clippers, the Nuggets might be the the, the three teams that are going to obviously give the Hornets the, the toughest task here. I mean, do you see, what, three or four wins there, Brian, out of those last seven games here? Yeah, right around there. Yeah. Um, again, it's hard to say just because of who knows what the roster is going to look like when some of these guys are going to trickle back. Like, I'll feel better once PJ and Devante are activated, right? Knowing that, like, hopefully those guys can be back sooner rather than later. But yeah, I think, you know, enough, hopefully to hang on to eight. I think that's just got to become like what the goal is now is to just scrap and claw and do what it takes to to stay um, at the eighth spot here. Three wins gets them to 35 wins on the season, which I think is like 10 or nine games above like the preseason Vegas rankings, which is awesome, which is awesome to see. All right, we're going to end with Twitter questions here. A lot deal with PJ and Miles is pretty interesting because uh, those are the two players that missed tonight's game. Uh, the first question comes from Mark Schindler. If you could only keep one, would it be PJ or Miles? Well, for, first off, hopefully this is not something that they have to make right now, a decision they have to make right now. I think the Hornets would love to keep both of them. I know that there's some overlap with their play, and, and that's – why Miles Bridges came off the bench to start the season because JB wanted Miles to play the four more frequently. And, you know, with PJ starting at the four, uh, he couldn't play them both at the same time unless they were going small ball. So to me, Brian, I'm going to go Miles Bridges. I've said this before. I, I know it's, it's a tough decision. I don't want to choose one over the other. Maybe this is a decision that comes a couple seasons down the road. 
I think both of them are going to be in the core for the Hornets. One might just be a more prominent role. And I know this term is overused a lot, but the swing skill for Miles this season and just in future season has been his shooting. I think if he can get that down consistently, to me, this answer is easier and I would swing towards Miles more heavily. And that's kind of why... I'm choosing Miles because I'm banking on the strides that he's made this season, that that will continue. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even just talking about his sh- off the dribble shooting. I'm just talking about shooting in, dr- in yeah. general. That off the dribble yeah. shooting that we've seen this season is really just an added <laughs> bonus. <laughs> I like his playmaking. That's been a, that's been a development. I think his defense has improved this season. His athleticism has always been there. We've seen those weak side blocks. And then one thing that I just kind of want to note. It's more of an intangible. I think it's his mentality has changed this year. Just the way that he talks about, you know, maybe his leadership role and how he approaches things. It seems like he's more locked in this season uh, and he takes things personally or he's been more transparent about what he wants to do on the defensive side of the court. And he even noted over the offseason that he realized that his off ball defense uh, was an issue. And yes, he still has those like lapses on, on defense, but would you, wouldn't you say that he probably has had, you know, less of those this year? I, I just, it do, they oh, don't stick out in my mind. Definitely. I actually think, and I don't think you were done here, but I just do want to mention, I think that that leaf started to turn the back half of last season too. But yes, in general, in one of the games recently, I can't remember if it was the, the, the Detroit game over the weekend or the Miami game. There were a couple guys where he got back cut on, but it was hard to tell if it was exactly his fault or because their, you know, their help responsibilities can be kind of weird. If, if it was like a switch that wasn't communicated or whatever, regardless, right. I agree. Yes, I think they have been less frequent and less glaring in nature. Yeah, I mean, I was I was basically done, but but if I if I had to choose, it would be Miles. I know that PJ pairs well with Lamelo. But we've also seen how Miles and LaMelo uh, compare as well. It's kind of one of those pick and roll, pick and pop things. Like if you want to pick and pop partner, <laughs> go PJ. Although, like I said, that that shooting, they, that swing They skill. both can do it. Yeah, they can, that's yeah. the thing. That's why we were just talking a couple minutes ago about them being threats as screeners. It's because they can both. They can both pop and they can then create off that. They can get into DHO game. They both can both roll. You know, obviously PJ is not the above the rim athlete that Miles is, but you know PJ can catch a lob, and, and obviously PJ is a pretty good post up player as well. And boy, that shot of his is just so so damn pretty. I mean, he's shooting the hell out of the basketball right now from yeah. deep, yeah. For PJ. But uh, first off, thanks for the question, Mark. Shout out, Mark, uh, one of the better guys out there on NBA Twitter. He's kind of blowing up recently, so glad he was uh, willing to contribute to the the questions here. But um, first off, I don't, I don't want to choose between these two. I mean, <laughs> I know it. it's the hypothetical, the question. And like, luckily I don't think Charlotte has to choose either. I actually like, I get that there's some overlap or whatever, but because they're both hybrid guys and PJ can scale up to five, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you can click in. They already have a small ball center that they can play with miles or with LaMelo. That's really great. Like they don't, they don't have to go out and find that. They have it on the roster now. It's cost controlled on a team team deal. And like Miles is a is probably a four, but you know, he can play the three. And and if his 
if some of the playmaking and shooting, like if that stuff come, comes online, then like he's in an even better spot to be like a, a three. Um, I don't know where Miles' ceiling is. I don't know, like know where he tops out. His ceiling, I think, is higher because of the athleticism. Correct. Um, they're age wise, Miles is like I think five months older than PJ, but they're close in age. I do think Miles again because of the athleticism and because of the, like the live dribble creation. I think he has a higher ceiling than PJ. But I also don't know where like where Miles Bridges tops out. Like, can he be a can Miles be a number two guy on a fifty win team? Can he do that? I don't I don't know. He might top out as like a, a three guy, you know, a Tobias Harris type. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and hell, that's you know maybe PJ can get to that level too. For for all I mean, Harris has been like a kind of an analog for his career, uh, at least since he entered the league or was getting ready for the draft. So. I don't want to choose, uh, quite frankly, like I, I honestly, I hope the team keeps these guys together as long as possible. And I think there's a question we can maybe get to that, that involves them as like a quote unquote big three. So maybe we can use as a transition to that. But if I had to pick one, not to be like pure prisoner of the moment, because like, this is an, this is a question I would have answered differently six months ago. I, but yeah, I would, it's hard not to say miles at this point, yeah. but like, I don't, but they're both like, what's great is Charlotte doesn't have to choose. Exactly. They, they don't have to. Exactly. Um, and that, that's a nice spot that they've gotten themselves into. And I'm really glad that they stayed pat at a variety of moments they've had to maybe move one of those guys. They stayed patient and, and now they're getting to see those guys sort of like blossom playing together. So I want both those guys here to keep developing, keep marinating, keep playing with LaMelo. I think Mark will accept that answer from you. I, I guess that yeah. was not a cop-out answer, but I, I think he'll accept yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah, be better. You, 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 yeah, you've always been the highest, I feel like, on PJ on this pod. Not, not, that, not, that, yeah. Bri- or not that Spencer or I have been yeah. low on him, but you, you yeah. just have seen stuff out of him, and, and you definitely have higher hopes than maybe – I do or yeah. Spencer, but again, it, it, you don't want to choose and that, and we kind of don't like this question for that mark. So <laughs> we'll go to the next one yeah. at yeah. that man, Fran, how good can a ball bridges PJ big three be? Uh, I think, I think they could be solid. I mean, they're not going to reach yeah. the levels of, uh, you know, any of these national pundits that are to come out and say, Hey, the Hornets big three is ball bridges and PJ tonight. <laughs> I just, I don't think they'll ever reach that level. Obviously, a lot's going to be dependent on the two players that we just talked about, PJ and Miles. I think the hope that uh, maybe Charlotte can pick up another player closer to LaMelo's caliber. You really want to be considered a a big three. I just don't know if these three players would ever be considered a big three, quote-unquote, on a national level. But they can all work well together. I think it's a fun yeah. brand of basketball that all three of these guys, and again, the most successful basketball this season has been when PJ's at the five and Bridges is at the four, and then obviously you add in ball just to have the passing and the facilitation between the two of them. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I would describe it, but just like very solid. I mean, but but yeah. not but not nationally ranked by any means. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe uh a second round of the playoff team, you know, yeah. win a series or two in the playoffs, but it's hard to tell. Like these guys are Lamelo's 19, uh, PJ's 22 miles just turned 23. Like they're super young. So like it, if you're projecting out, 
it, that's a little bit tricky to tricky to do at this point because they are very young. We've talked about this in the pod a couple of times. I do think you would you'll eventually need to get a vertical lob threat at center. Mm-hmm. But you know you could have a roster that could be the this this three this big three with uh you know PJ being the backup five essentially and his his switch has been switch defense has been so good this year his rim protection's been better like PJ just made a jump as a defender in my opinion this season so it would be nice to have that type of versatility they'll need to get another defender on the wing you know but in theory these pieces could fit together it's like Lamelo one you know, three and D guy at the two miles, three PJ four, you know, rim running center five. Right. And then all of a sudden, like that's sounds kind of nice. I don't know if that can ever be a a championship level team. It almost depends on how good bridges does becomes right. Which we were sort of just discussing. Um, It's going to be key. I think that you get a big wing that you can put with LaMelo. I think that's going to be so we and we've talked about this before as well, but I think it's going to be like a key thing that they're going to have to add if they really want to like get again to these sort of like outer bands of the team development around Lamelo. Um, these are some pieces that you're going to need. Maybe Miles can be that. Right. This version that he's played the last month is that. I just will. And some of it, some of it feels, some of it feels very real and sustainable. Maybe not the pull up shooting, but so, so we'll just see. I don't think that can that that group has the ability to be like a, a the core of like a, a title team, you know, a real, real contender, but a very, very good team, especially depending on how they build out the roster around those guys. It's funny. I just looked up the on off stats with Miles, PJ and LaMelo on the court, 319 minutes this season. Actually, only a net rating of 0.4. So offense and defensive rating, pretty pretty similar. But yeah, I guess you got to take yeah. that with a grain of salt because I'm sure you can pull up any three-man lineup on the Hornets and there's not going to be one that is in the positive uh, when you play that many minutes together. So yeah, but yeah. overall, we've liked what we've seen from those three. Mm-hmm. All right. From at good old Bruce, what can JB do about the center position? How has Cody suddenly become unplayable? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there's not much he can do right now with the personnel. Um, I, I think the best option, which we've talked about constantly on this podcast, is just PJ at the small ball five and what that unlocks offensively and how that creates advantages for the Hornets on the offensive side of the ball. I prefer Cody to Biz, but as we've seen you know, in the past handful of games it's been the opposite for JB and I just can't get a good read on why that's why that decision has been made I just I don't know why I think it, it must be with the energy and the defense that biz brings but in my mind I know that Cody has slipped a little bit defensively and he's not as agile and quick as he used to be as you know obviously everyone ages but to me, the difference between Cody's offense and Biz's offense is greater than Biz's defense and Cody's defense to me. Um, I, I get it. Cody was very lackadaisical on the defensive side against the Heat a couple nights ago. What can he do about the center position? Not much. I mean, you talked about Vernon Carey Jr. maybe a little bit, but it all has yeah. to do with personnel. And I don't think JB's necessarily content with his personnel right now in terms of the the five position and we just talked about it that that's that's the one area in which Lamelo could use a lob threat could use someone that that adds that vertical spacing and neither of these really do that one because Cody can't really get off the ground without actually kind of getting a runway and then biz yeah. you're not expecting him to catch everything 
you know, in his vicinity. So I, I, I can't get a grip on this center position and I've kind of given up on it. Uh, yeah. Uh, what they can do is, uh, be sad about it for now. And then I don't know, it's like sign Rashawn Holmes and free agency. Oh, that yeah. might not I keep that might be about interesting. Him. It might be, uh, I mean, he's a guy that I'm sure they kicked the can on the trade deadline, but it seems like Sacramento, uh, justifiably was asking for a lot. He's a very good player. Yeah. I mean, first off, we've been talking about the center position for a while now, um, and even last week, the second episode that Spencer and I did, we talked about the center position for a good bit on that mm-hmm. podcast. So I would recommend if you're looking for more discourse on the center rotation, go back. Spencer and I talked about it for a while. Um, I've been banging this drum for for weeks, months now. I don't know. But just assuming Charlotte makes the playoffs and let's just lump the play in into the scenario, the 48 minutes per game at center I think it, I don't think this will happen, but I but I am like steadfast to my belief that it has to get you have to get to 48 minutes of PJ and Saylor at the five. Um, now you probably need your maybe you even need your full complement of players like you you know certainly having Miles back helps with that. Having Hayward back helps with that because those guys can play the four. And, uh, but I just don't think you can play Biz because of the offense in the postseason. I think he will like, and if they played. Right, yeah. Uh, and I mean, if they played Philadelphia, uh, yeah, you probably need biz for some Embiid minutes or whatever. Um, but I, uh, I, I just, I think you've got to play, you've got to roll when Zeller Zeller's going to have nights like that every now and then, like he did against Miami. But I think you got to just roll through those unless, unless the matchup dictates that you need business like strength up front that assuming you have your full complement of players, You've you've just got to um, you you have to go with Zeller and PJ. And if for some reason those guys were both in, in foul trouble, hell, I'd say just play Bridges and McDaniel's at the four or five instead of uh, you know instead of uh, Bismack. But yeah. I, but I know the, I know these things like aren't going to happen. It's so funny. You've talked about this for like, uh, you know, seven episodes straight about the center position. And I think you even made a mention yeah. of it on the last podcast. Like, yeah, I'm sure the listeners are tired of me talking about this, but yeah. this is this is what I want. <laughs> yeah. And this is what I know is yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, um, I know it's not going to. I just it, it seems so it seems so obvious. Um, but, us, but, yeah. I, but I also I acknowledge that like matchups could dictate that. And I guess we should we can use that as a tra- yeah. transition into the. The final question here, this is from uh, Rodimus Prime on Twitter. Shout out Rod who asked, am I the only one who wants the Nets in the first round? It would be a fun series uh, and uh, he wouldn't want to play the 76ers or the Bucks. Uh, Rod also notes that he realizes the outcome is going to be the same, which is a Hornets win, obviously, yes, for the sweep. Exactly, the first exactly. Round. Uh, who do we want no, the Hornets uh, to win against here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would actually would prefer Giannis. Um, no, the so I'll say this. Uh, my first initial thought to this is yes, if assuming Charlotte has its full complement of players. Um, I mean, the Nets are terrifying, right? Like they are, this is the best offense in the world. This is the best half court offense in the world, or they're right there with the Clippers. This is the best isolation offense in the world. I think they got a big three, Brian. I think they got a big three. Yeah. The yes, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Bruce Brown. It's uh, a big three that everyone talking about the NBA just can't stop buzzing about. Um, I'm sorry to leave Joe Harris out of that, but the, uh, I do think like Philadelphia as a matchup is just a crisis, honestly, like Embiid is, and that's not even just with the Hornets. It's like, 
I was watching them play the Suns the other night. Like Aiton got in foul trouble, and it was like, dude, you just like you have Dario Sarge come in and try to guard this monster. Like this, this is like definitely not going to work. Um, and it didn't. He's just such a magnet for drawing fouls that I I just don't want to match up with Embiid. I just don't. So as far as the, the, the bucks go, I think maybe I wouldn't necessarily like mind that matchup uh, as much. I don't know if I would prefer Milwaukee or Brooklyn, knowing that Charlotte's going to lose in, you know, four or five games regardless. But I think there are some things they can do to make Brooklyn's base lineup a little uncomfortable. We've seen the bucks try to switch a lot against Charlotte to varying degrees of success with Brooke Lopez, that's more palatable when they play Giannis at five, right? And and they go to uh, uh, you know play PJ Tucker and Middleton along the front line with Holiday and DiVincenzo or Pat Connaughton. I like some of the guys that Charlotte has to throw at Giannis, although it feels like PJ's just destined to get in foul trouble in that matchup. Brooklyn's defense has played better, if I'm not mistaken. I want yeah, to say they're the worst out of these three, right? So I mean, so that would be my my thought would be that like yeah, Charlotte can't stop the Nets from scoring, but a full strength Hornets roster can score against Brooklyn. Like, you know, Brooklyn's going to, they switch a lot of stuff and Charlotte maybe doesn't have like a a ton of switch beaters on the lineup, but miles Hayward, there's enough PJ as a post-up threat. LaMelo, you know, when he gets cooking in the drive game. So I think, I think I would, I think I would most prefer the bucks but I, but I think it's close with the, uh, with the nets. What do you say, Richie? Well, I agree that I want to avoid the 76ers at all. Costs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just from a stylistic game. Um, Embiid is just a beast that Charlotte just has no answer for. He can feast in the post all night long. He's done a very good job of passing out of the post this season as well. And it's funny considering all the attention that he receives in the post, in the paint, you would think that the, the the Sixers get up more three point attempts, like just a you know kick out with Curry or Green or or Harris. Court Moss, yeah, yeah, who I think might be injured right now. But yes, I mean it just it's almost impossible to defend both the inside and the outside against that team. So that that would be no fun uh, to watch, and that's been a a thorn in the Hornets side for the past several seasons. So I I, I agree on that point. I actually. I don't know. I, I think I probably would enjoy maybe the Nets series a little bit more. Obviously, the end goal here is it's going to be the same, right? I mean, it's just going to yeah. be a shootout uh, with the Nets in the sense that this offense, like you mentioned, is just so freaking good. Uh, Kevin Durant can go off for 45 at any moment. Kyrie is just a an amazing finisher around the hoop. Uh, so in terms of enjoyment and pace and style, I know the Bucks have upped their pace this season, but... I guess I would choose the Nets, but I, again, we're splitting hairs between them and the yeah. Bucks. To me, yeah. you know, you know what happened against the Bucks? What would happen would would be Bryn Forbes and or Bobby Portis would go <laughs> off against the Hornets. Go off, yes, yeah. Um, uh, the a Portis explosion in the first round would it would it would it? Well, I'm just gonna be honest. That would annoy me. Exactly. Um, one thing I will say, uh, it looks like I did have this a little wrong. Uh, the last. Two weeks, uh, Brooklyn's defense is 23rd in the NBA in efficiency. But, uh, and for the season now, the Nets have settled in at, at the, as the number 23 defense for the entire season, according to cleaning the glass. But at least they're not, you know, 29th or 
or whatever. The last thing I'll say, I know in this hypothetical, we were thinking about it as like full strength or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also just sort of like given the injury concerns of the nets. I mean, some of these, I mean, Durant, you know, Harden, obviously when they've been on the court, they've been incredible this season, but now he would be wishing for an injury, but just like the, the one team that maybe has right, at least for this season, has sort of like the most jagged luck with injuries is also Brooklyn. So maybe that also adds to the, uh, what would make them a slightly more palatable. All these are obviously like nightmare matchups for sure. Is there there any way that Charlotte can just climb to the fourth seed and play Atlanta? Like, is that, is that possible? What stinks is like they were on course for that before everything, before everything just went awful during the, you know, the LaMelo injury, then Malik, then, then Hayward. It just, it sucks because like they were right there and who knows what would have happened if they had like stayed healthy to an extent. Um, I mean, New York's come on so strong here, but yeah, they have, they have. Um, but yeah, like that's that I wish they, I wanted them to stay at four or five. Cause that way I thought they could have won a series and it's like any of these other matchups. It's like, if you're at six, then you've got to play one of the big three. You know, if you're at six or lower then you got to play one of the big three. And that's just like for Charlotte is, you know, the, their odds of winning that series are going to be, uh, you know, microscopic. What's funny talking about Brooklyn and Milwaukee, but Milwaukee had has beaten Brooklyn in their past two games. I think they played back to back games. Uh, did you Did you watch the game on Sunday? I did between not. Those two? I did not. But Giannis yeah. had what like fifty points or whatever, and he had yeah, like thirty six yeah. tonight. So Giannis did. It was like one of the most complete offensive games he's probably had. He did like a little bit of everything. It was uh, it was, it was very it was very very impressive game for uh. Yeah, the reigning MVP here. But uh, yeah, Durant was awesome too. It was, it was a super fun game. Those teams are very talented. I've always been the one that like, obviously try your best to slow down Giannis, but allow him to shoot threes and don't allow a Bryn Forbes or a Bobby Portis to go off as well. I mean, I, I get that that's easier said yeah. than done, but you know, that's yeah. that's kind of how I would approach things. You know, put your yeah. best defender as you can on Giannis. Try to shut him down, but try not to like just totally have your whole defense surrounding him because he's just going to start kicking it out and it's just not going to be fun. So yeah, his, his passing has gotten a little bit better this year, I think. Right. Like, yeah. I think he's made strides as a passer this year. Um, and there's certainly plenty of like, at least with that starting lineup, um, I'm not like in love with Milwaukee's bench, but there's plenty of, you know, weaponry and spot up guys that they can, they can place around the honest that are also like two way playmakers. Bucks are going to be tough. Eastern Eastern conference, semi-final, you know, second round and semi-final, you know, in the conference finals are going to be awesome. And, and like we always mention, it's going to be interesting to actually do a podcast, even if it's for a play-in tournament. Like I, I just want I want to do a play-in post-game pod. We've not, yeah. I don't think we've done that since because I think we started this Definitely podcast not. the year after they made the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, yeah. and they hadn't made it since. So, we're going to go ahead and sign off here. As always, we'd appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Anything to spread the word, tell a friend, retweet it on Twitter. I am Richie for BG. Thanks for joining us and have a good one. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. 
all for an incredible value your wrists and wallets will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.